0: There you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. It is 94 degrees and I am... Sitting Closed Up in the Queen Bee, all in service of getting you this story today, because I really wanted to tell it while it was still fresh in my mind. I've been thinking this morning of the value of storytelling. How do we measure that? Is it something that we still recognize as valuable in our busy modern culture? Is it only valuable if it's printed and illustrated and sells 100,000 copies? Or can we preserve a tradition of oral storytelling? Is podcasting the modern solution to that? Or are we losing the essential component of the human being who is sharing their experience? I wish I could see the answers in your eyes. I feel sure that I would. Eye contact is so compelling. It is something I always insisted on with my kids and then with my theater students. When eye contact is missing, the story doesn't land. It misses its mark. For example... I'm going to tell you about two different Hamlets. I once spent too much on tickets to see Jude Law play Hamlet, especially since my seat was near the back of a very large orchestra section. I was feeling foolish and anticipating an expensive mistake. But the test was that first soliloquy. What would he do? Would he look above us and speak a well rehearsed lecture? Or would he truly connect with all 2,000 of us? A tall order. I held my breath as Claudius and Gertrude left the stage, and then, zing. Hamlet turned, found the eyes of the people upon him, and spoke right to us. Magic. From that moment, we were hooked. We were in his corner. Whatever he did, we were along for the ride, as counselors, as fellow sufferers, whatever he asked us to be. Even way back in row Q, I felt essential to the action of the play, simply because Hamlet included me in his deliberations. Eye contact is that bridge from soul to soul. How different then, when I sat in a small and intimate space to see another Hamlet not long ago. I was anticipating participating in the same richly tortured journey. I would go along for the ride most willingly, even though I know Hamlet has to die at the end, For all of us. But this time, young Hamlet looked at the ceiling, at the floor, at anything but the people in front of him. It's no wonder he never found the answers he sought. And I sat back, unmoved and disappointed. Eye contact is everything. I'm truly thinking it would be exciting and challenging to start doing live appearances of the Bard of Hudson. To tell these stories, fuse my writing and performance threads, and truly be a storyteller. I've been thinking this for a while, but yesterday I met with new inspiration. My wonderful and generous host here in Hertfordshire, Temi, is also a storyteller. Yes, he is a true Renaissance man with many interests and talents. He claims he is still learning, but he has excellent building blocks for his craft, a rich baritone voice, and a willingness to risk eye contact and put himself forward in order to draw his listener in. Yesterday, he asked if I would like to meet his storytelling guru, as he called him. Uh, obviously, I shouted out a resounding yes. Okay, it was on a text. And no, I didn't use those obnoxious capital letters, but I think he felt my enthusiasm regardless. He said we could also pair that visit with a river swim in Wales, since the afternoon temperature was supposed to spike up into the 90s. Icing on a glorious cake, as far as I was concerned. So off we went to meet Austin Keenan, an old Scottish storyteller by trade. Temmie calls him a national treasure, and after spending an afternoon listening to his stories, I quite agree. He welcomed us into his wonderful hobbit home, where his wife and granddaughters had just come in from swimming in that same river where we were headed later. They said it was crowded, but that they truly felt much cooler to the point of even shivering a bit. When they shook my hands, I could tell that they were cold still. Since I'm going to end with Austin's story, I'll just tell you briefly that river, quote-unquote, is an exalted term for the gently flowing stream in which I later swam. And crowded, quote-unquote, is a vast exaggeration, at least from the point of view of this bard, who is still flinching from memories of Rome. In any case, we sat at Austin's dining table, which was littered with colored pencils, knitting projects, and paper dolls. I haven't seen paper dolls in more than 20 years. I would say 40, but yes, I think I made some with my kids. It was all charming detritus of idyllic English summertime pursuits with a house full of granddaughters. Heaven. Austin regaled us with stories that flowed naturally from one to the next. He brought out some favorite books where he had gleaned some snippet of verse that fleshed out some particular tale. He spoke of storytelling themes and we kept coming back to death. It is a profoundly compelling theme in these plague-ridden days. He told of a children's home for little ones who were orphaned and how he went there to tell stories, but was banned after he told too many stories of grief and death. As if suppressing any talk of death could let the children forget the parents for whom they grieve and move on faster. Ignoring feelings doesn't make them go away. I guess this is a theme this week. In the end, I asked if I could record one story and he kindly agreed. However, since technology is a cruel and evil mistress, only 30 seconds of that story were preserved. I don't know how, I hit a button somehow, I don't know. Yes, I was testing a remote system with a small mic in my phone. It's a bad time to test that. So there's a lesson. harsh one. Blessedly, Temmie was there and he had also recorded the story and to my huge relief, he came to my rescue. So here it is, the story of Old April as preserved by Temmie the magician and as told by Austin Keenan, national treasure of England, Scotland, And very close to Wales. (laughs) Enjoy. It's
1: about an old woman who spent her whole life working in a big house. And that's what an awful lot of people in Britain did if they had no visible means of support. And um, she did everything. She cooked. She scrubbed. She (laughs) did the garden. She just did whatever was required of her for 60 years and when she was 75 she said "Right, that's enough of that I'm retiring and she got a little house near a village um, somewhere in Aberdeenshire and um, she lived there for a number of years but she began to obsess about death you know there are people who do and there are people who don't and she just began to worry that someday the door would open and death would walk through it and grab her. And so she thought, well, I'll just stop opening my door. So she went along to see the local shopkeeper and she made a little arrangement with him that uh, there was a little bowley hole beside the door that could be opened from the outside. The shopkeeper's laddie could put the stuff in through the little door and then she had a little door on the inside and she could open it get out what she had and she could leave a little message for next week and she thought great sussed got it sorted don't have to open the door she wasn't that keen on opening the windows either because she thought that if death didn't come in the door he'd probably come in the window so if she kept the windows shut too so it was a bit, a bit of a bug in the house generally okay one November And she was well up in her 80s, well up in her 80s, and there came a knock on the door. Now, she had absolutely no intention of answering the door, but there was a crack in the door. So she went over and she could look through the crack and she could see who was there. And she looked through the crack in the door. She saw this young lassie, 15, 16, 17, and she had a big basket over her arm and old April could see that she was a traveller lassie because in the basket were painted wooden flowers, carved wooden flowers. And people used to buy these in the countryside of Aberdeenshire to decorate the table, put on a mantelpiece, just make, freshen the house up. And she looked at this and she thought, "Mm, "Aye, she's a traveller. And she saw her feet and You know, the toes were wiggling and the heels were showing at the back. And she only had on a summer frock. And this was November. It's freezing in Aberdeenshire in November, even with climate change. And um, no coat, no jumper, just this thin frock. And um, old April calls through the crack in the door. What do you want, lassie? And the lassie said... Uh, oh, I've got some pretty wooden flowers. Do you want to Do you want to buy some? Decorate your, your house? Nah, nah, said old April. Now, will you just stand back from the door a bit because I don't want you bringing death anywhere near my door. Death, said the lassie. You must be joking. She said, I'm not hungry and tired and falling about. She said, I could just about collapse with fatigue and hunger. And with that, she did. She just fell over right there. Basket went one way, she went the other. And old April looked through the crank. she thought, I can't leave her there. She opened the door and she dragged the lassie inside. Got her into her bed, you know, slammed the door shut. Got her into her bed, gave her soup, tea, warmed her up, got her back on her feet. And they got on great. They were getting on so well that old April never even thought about asking her, should she go home? No, they were just getting on so well. She was doing the cleaning, she was doing the cooking, she was doing all the things that old April used to do for, for the big house. And not only that, she talked to old April. They were getting on great. The autumn passed, the winter passed. It was coming to the beginning of spring. Those first fresh days when the sun beats in, Maybe the beginning of April, even the beginning of February, sometimes, in bulk, you know you get that sudden change, the springing up of the shoots, and as the lassie was walking past the shut window, she saw the flowers beginning to come out, there was the speed well, there were the spring anemones, there were of course, the daisies, the gowans showing in the grass, and she said, April." Eh, yeah, this is so good and she went to the door and she flung the door open and out she went and she's dancing on the grass. April, come here, come out and enjoy this. Well of course the lassie had no idea that April had a had a phobia And out came April to the very edge of the threshold of her door and she looked out. And the lassie said, Come on out, April, come out. Come enjoy this balmy sunshine. Ah, nah, said old April. Death might be out there. Death, said the lassie. You must be kidding. She said, this is the re-visiting of life. This is life itself. Coming to visit us. Oh, I don't know about that. April stood there and she mithered. And mither is a local word. <laughs> she mithered. She couldn't make up her mind. She didn't know whether to go or to stay and she's looking at the threshold of the door and the lassie says, go and get a picnic. Come on, go and get a jammy piece and we'll have a jammy piece out here on the grass. April eventually, she goes off to the kitchen. She makes up a couple of jammy pieces and she comes back to the door. Come on, April! And she walked over the threshold. She was out there and she's sitting on the grass with the lassie. And they're chattering and the lassie's saying, I've got to go on now, April, because my people with this weather, they'll be moving on. And they're just a couple of miles down the road. I'll go and join them later. Oh, hi, said April. And uh, the lassie looked at her and said, you're glad that you come out here. and Enjoyed the bit of sunshine, jammy peace, bit of chat. Oh, I have enjoyed it said old April, but I know death's somewhere just round the corner and he's going to come out and put his hand on my shoulder. The lassie looked at April and said, It's all right. Don't you worry about it, April. It's already happened. Eh? said April. You must be joking. No, no, I'm not joking, said the lassie. You passed through the veil a while ago. No, said April. I'm fighting fit. In fact, I've never felt better in all my life, Ah said the lassie. Well, the reason that you feel so good, said the lassie, is because you're no longer clothed in your physical body. You're now clothed in your spiritual body. What are you talking about, said April? You're dead, said the young lassie. You're dead, April. You died a while ago. Well, if I died, when did I die? You died, April, the day that you pulled me inside your house because I'm dead. And even now, we're on the very border of paradise. And presently, you're going to take my hand and I'm going to lead you into paradise and you're going to see all the folk that you've never seen for years. And you're going to do all the things that you've always wanted to do and you've never done. And with that, Death put out her hand and took April's and led her into paradise. And the the old travelers say there's a lot of folk like April wandering around the world. They're dead, but they just haven't found their way yet. And the travelers believe it's really important that youngsters hear these stories because you need to know what's coming. And you need to know. That it's not something depressing. It's something almost to be looked forward to. There's wisdom in the stories.
0: Fantastic. (laughs) Isn't that a wonderful story?
1: It is a brilliant story.